This is Science by the Slice, a podcast from the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences Center for Public Issues Education. In this podcast, experts discuss the science of issues affecting our daily lives, reveal the motivations behind the decisions people make, and ultimately provide insight to solutions for our lives. Welcome to Science by the Slice for part two of our series on agritourism. If you listen to part one of this series, you know that this episode was recorded at an agritourism operation, the Red, White, and Blues Farm in Williston, Florida. One quick note about that, since we were outside when we recorded our interview, you'll hear people in the background, motors, and other sounds throughout the episode, and I think that's fitting because we wanted to be on site and talk with someone who manages an agritourism operation. So, who did we talk to? All right, so my name's Jeff Manley. Uh, My title is the director of agritourism for H&A Farms. I guess more officially, it's the director of agritourism for H&A Agritourism LLC. And uh, we've got two locations right now in Eustis and in Williston, and uh, we intend to to grow those further with the properties that they've already got or will acquire. So I've been in agritourism for, golly, as much as I hate to say it, 30 years. And Jeff's venture into agritourism started after he graduated from college, which you'll hear more about in just a minute. But I'd say the foundation for his career was formed much before that. You see, when Jeff was 12 years old, he worked in a pharmacy in Jonesboro, Georgia, where he would sweep the floors and dust shelves, among other things. And someone would come in periodically and invite Jeff to go to church into a Sunday school class that this man taught. After being asked multiple times, Jeff did go. And the person who invited him and taught the Sunday school class was Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A. Over time, Truett Cathy became a mentor to Jeff, and initially he thought this was more of a charitable act, but eventually their bond grew to an inseparable friendship. Truett supported Jeff to go to college and was even the best man in his wedding. Jeff stated that he learned so much from Truett, which really shaped him into the man he is today. And once again, it was after Jeff graduated from college that he got a start in agriculture, with Truett Cathy, as he explains here. Started a cattle farm with the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, who was my Sunday school teacher when I was 12. And I worked for him from the time I was 12 until the time I was 50. And um, the thing was that as hard as he tried to get me to work at Chick-fil-A, I just didn't want to work inside. I just thought that was not what I wanted to do. And so uh, he convinced me to commit to working for him after I graduated from college. He helped me go to college, Berry College in Rome, Georgia. And after college, we, uh, we sought out to find what would be of interest to the two of us. And we found a 370-acre cattle farm in a little town of The Rock, Georgia, Upson County, and uh, bought that with the notion that we would try to figure out what uh, God wanted us to turn it into. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how it started. 
very back. She, she said that she saw that. They're in the very back. Once again, if you listen to part one in this series, you heard that the entire Pi Center team visited the Red, White, and Blues farm during one day of their fall festival. And that's what you're hearing now. We had a fantastic time, experienced wonderful hospitality from the staff, picked fresh flowers, and just enjoyed being outside on the farm. But how did Jeff go from running an operation in Georgia to becoming the agritourism director for two farms located in Florida? He explains that here as we pick up this episode's conversation led by Michaela Kanzer. How did you get from, from there to here at Red, White & Blues today? Well, uh, after a wonderful, wonderful career, raising my family at the Rock Ranch, having you know, many successes through there, and, and really not recognizing it at the time, but when we, we started agritourism in the Rock, Georgia, at the Rock Ranch, there was only one or two other little places in the state in a, to scale that was doing agritourism. Uh, There's some apple places in North Georgia, but there was one dairy in Canton, Georgia, north of Atlanta, that was doing a wonderful job with agritourism. And then we were the, the second, so to speak, to do a corn maze, that kind of a thing. It was really what I started off trying to do a corn maze. Field trips, company picnics. And there, our first season, we were doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every weekend in October and the first weekend in September. And I don't know, I haven't added up those days, but in our first season, in total, we had 46 people attend. So it was an absolute failure. But as we grew in agritourism, so did agritourism grow in the Southeast. And so after I retired from the Rock Ranch in 2019, I went to work with a friend of mine uh, in agriculture um, with uh, wholesale food, cheese. He also manufactures all of the seven dust, liquid seven, Amdro, over and out, a lot of bear chemical products. And uh, loved that. But then Michael and Ryan, Michael Hill and Ryan uh, Atwood, uh, owners of H&A Farms, through a recruiter, found me and they proposed an idea that I had been thinking about for 20 years. And that is, why could you not have more than one location? Typically agritourism is a family farm and it's one location and um, a lot of dynamics go into why agritourism works for those families. And, uh, but, but why not more than one for the Atwood and the Hill family? And uh, that intrigued me and kind of excited me. And so that's how I took this step uh, to join them. That's really awesome. I think that's also a good natural transition into what we're going to be talking about today, which is all about agritourism. Yeah. So for our listeners, we are currently at Red, White & Blue's Farm in Williston, Florida. Um, we were able to take out our whole entire Pie Center team today. We've done lots of fun stuff, looked at pumpkins, picked sunflowers, picked zinnias, rode on the pumpkin eater, which is a combine <laughs> that drives around the farm. Uh, we rode on the big slide. That was really fun. It's much, much taller once you get up there than it looks yeah. from the ground. <laughs> And so, can you just tell us what agritourism means to you? What is agritourism? How would you define it? 
I, I would define agritourism in a, in a lot of different directions. The first thing that comes to mind is a vehicle through which to create joy in families in a rural farm setting because that is one of the most rewarding of residual effects of, of agritourism. I would also define it as offering different commodities through which younger generations can stay connected to the farm. So for example, if you've got a, a green bean farm, a corn farm, whatever it happens to be, and you've got grandmother and grandfather, and you've got mom and dad, you might have an uncle and an aunt by marriage or an aunt and uncle by marriage or who knows the makeup and it could be a hundred acres it could be five thousand but as those families grow um, there's only so many paychecks that you can afford with that amount of land or that amount of resource and so if you've got a young person graduating with an agriculture degree or, or whatever it happens to be and they want to raise their family connected to those values that we all cherish uh, in relation to, to farms and farm families. Well, that commodity might not support them, but agritourism can add it in, you know, people as a crop is really the way I see agritourism and it, it can add generations back to the payroll and make it very affordable and uh, make wonderful careers. So um, those, are, those, are, those are two ways I'd define it. And then another way would just be uh, an incredible opportunity to support a, economically a community in tourism, dollars, gas, hotels, restaurants, whatever it happens to be, but then also in uh, paychecks to the local community. Yeah, so it kind of opens up this whole new market segment, right, in agriculture. And it's completely different than traditional agriculture, you know, That's just right. growing crops and sending them off to packing houses and selling them in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. And it looks very different and um, seems to be a lot more fun too, right? Yeah, a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, so what, or why would you say that agritourism is important? Well, I think one, one immediate reason that comes to mind is just the economic driver that it is. You know, you would not think about it, but a flourishing agritourism destination, farm, that family farm, depending on the length of time that they're open in a year and, and, and whatever circumstance it might be, it can generate literally tens of millions of dollars for a community that you think, well, is there any, is there any tourism dollar generated in my community? Well, there's that farm down the road that has the pumpkin patch it is exponential how many dollars in economic development are created with no input really from the community, the economic development or, or the development authority or whatever a particular county might have. So, uh, so I think the economic driver is a big one. I think also the educational piece is, is a big purpose in it. To teach these young people and, and really now Moms and dads, you know, you know, blueberries don't grow on trees. Strawberries don't, you know, grow on bushes. Leather comes from cattle. You know, so many things that they don't understand. And it's really, in, in this day and time, if we're farmers, there's so much disconnectivity to the younger populations and that family farm 
that we will be all doing, doing ourselves a favor the more that we can educate the population on where our food comes from and the processes, the safe growing, the safe processes uh, that are available. Yeah, and so I really like that you hit that nail on the head talking about really using your agritourism operation to educate the public and to educate not just kids but also parents. So how do you guys use your agritourism operations to educate the public? Well, you know, it, it depends on the commodity. You know, at, at both of the locations that we have currently, we've got blueberries and strawberries. Strawberries will come first and then blueberries. And here in Williston, we also have peaches. You know, everything from the variety and the differences of the varieties, whether it's, you know, an early or a late, if it's uh, super sweet or if it's got, got a little, little bit less of a, of a palate to it. Some folks don't like it too terribly sweet. How much water do they need? We're irrigating as we sit. And the safe growing of it. There, oftentimes you have articles that come out that, you know, may or may not be quite exaggerated in, in uh, whether it be organic or traditional farming operations. And so uh, to be able to educate them on, on, on what we know to be true and safe in, uh, in growing and harvesting. And then um, to be able to tie that to a lifetime memory of going with the family to pick blueberries, going with the family to pick strawberries, you know, you, you've got that memory, and then you also encourage folks to make jam. We'll be doing, how do you make strawberry jam? We'll be doing lessons on how do you, how do you make a blueberry pie or a blueberry cobbler or delight. And, and you try to teach them, you know, folks that as well, so that, you know, it's really sort of a full circle. Uh, they don't have to buy it in the big box chain stores. Uh, they can come right out here, buy it, and recognize how much more fresh it is, how much more wholesome it is, and it sure does taste a whole lot better when they get home. <laughs> and they get the whole experience and the memories to go along with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly and right. I think you're I think you're so right. There is such a disconnect between the general public and farming, and uh, I think it's easy for farmers to get a bad a bad label, get a bad rap when it comes to the sustainability of farming practices. And mm -hmm. so I think it's really awesome that you guys offer an opportunity for the general public to come out to the farm and to see that you guys are the stewards of the land and that, you know, this is your workbench, so how important it is to you that you take good care of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing that farmers want is, is to shorten the lifespan of what they can produce on their property. So mm -hmm. they're, they wake up every morning with the intention of being good stewards, and agritourism helps shine a light of transparency on that. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, I think that is a very important um, aspect of agritourism. So I know we've already talked about this a little bit, but I just want to ask it again. So what is the value of agritourism operations in your community? You know, we've kind of talked about uh, the economic driver. We've talked about the educational piece. Um, another component that comes to mind is uh, the, the opportunity to gainfully employ a group of of typically young people, but it might be young, old, and everybody in between. Mm -hmm. And so not only do they end up with a, a little bit of change in their pocket, but they also learn things uh, that, that they might not otherwise. And so we take very seriously that a big percentage of the folks coming to work at H&A Farms wherever 
but in particular in the agritourism, because we try to work with the young people's schedules, whether it's uh, high school, college, or, or anything. But we also have to recognize that what we want is if you all go somewhere and you're the director of HR at a company, big or small, and you're scrolling down and you say, this young person worked at Red, White, and Blues Farm, Atwood, some H&A property, okay? We want that to be like Yale, Harvard. Yeah, we want that to seem Ivy League. And, yeah. and so the only way that we can do that is to make sure that we're doing what we should be doing as a first-time employer for a young person so that their third and fourth time employer has that benefit. Yeah, well, and what important skills and opportunity it is, you know, to work here and to, so you're really educating and equipping the next generation of the workforce in America, which is important. That's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, it could be simple. Hey, you know, we want the guys to have their shirts tucked in. You know, we like it when they say, my pleasure, okay? Well, you say, well, you know what? Chick-fil-A said, my pleasure. Well, I don't want to steal it from Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A stole it from Rich Carlton, and they're both doing real fine. So why couldn't we, right? So, you know, how to make eye contact, how to take their sunglasses off when they're engaging with customers, how to have a firm handshake. All those things are amazingly things that they come here not knowing and what working hard means. So we really are intentional on trying to make sure that we train um, these kids that, uh, you know, how to work hard, whether it's picking up trash, parking cars, or, or whatever they happen to be doing, working in the fields, whatever it happens to be. That's really awesome. I really love that aspect of, of agritourism, but also just this farm more specifically. So can you tell us, you know, some, about some of the events that you guys host at your farm or the things that are going on um, year-round? Yeah, so, um, and we love to be year-round. You know, summer months are hard to grow, <laughs> grow anything, you know. Um, but uh, this is our first year doing fall festivals. So all, all of our farms are gonna have a U-Pick component to them. Uh, it'll be driven by, you know, H&A Farms is the largest blueberry packer on the East Coast. And so all of them are highly likely to have a blueberry component. We're adding strawberries also um, to have a, an earlier commodity, one that's so popular. And, um, and, and there may be others like here, we have peaches as well. Uh, so the driver is gonna be some commodity of you pick. But what we're trying to do also is to not just, you know, you know mom and dad, gr grandma, granddad, they, they can be happy out there picking blueberries, picking strawberries, but the kids, you know, uh, and not only that, it's to our advantage when you've got less young kids out there picking green strawberries and throwing them down that you can't sell a week later when they're red, right? So, so we're offering them all sorts of activities. So we've got a treehouse village, we've got a, a playground platform, we've got a petting zoo, we've got jumping pillows, a barrel train, a ball zone, a giant slide, the, the, uh, the pumpkin eater, um, you got mini golf, you have dodgeball. <laughs> yep, yep. And then we've also got sunflowers and zinnias as a U-pick crop, yeah. which are almost year-round, ten, ten, probably 10 months of the year. We've got gemstone mining. And so those things can occupy as well as give, give the families something to do in the field. 
and then they can enjoy uh, the, the other thing. And, and we also are very intentional in trying to keep it affordable. So if we haven't already driven the point home enough, I want to ask you, so why should the public support agritourism operations? Well, not only for all that we've said, but they're, they're supporting their local farmers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really are. Um, we've got wonderful neighbors here that are not in uh, the blueberry business or the strawberry business. They might be in the melon business or the cattle business or the peanut business. And all of us benefit. It also creates uh, sort of an intermarrying of things, you know? I mean, I, I called the local cattle farmer and said, hey, you know, can I buy some hay bales for, from you for our family dodgeball? And he's like, oh yeah, that's great. It encourages a rural camaraderie. It, it also connects, you know, there's always a chamber of commerce or rotary that's doing Ag Farm Week or some sort of thing with the Far, uh, Florida Farm Bureau or, or their local uh, networking. And it really ties those things in. Um, and then we've you know, we've, we've really talked about the, the, the economic importance of it um, because agritourism, a, a vigorous, thriving agritourism destination will draw folks from an hour and a half away. Um, uh, typically, we don't have the metrics history here to know, but oftentimes you'll see 30% of the population attending an agritourism destination is within 20 to 30 miles, 15 to 30. But 30% is coming from an hour, hour and a half, even two hours away. And so those are the folks that are, that are spending more money, staying longer, buying gas on the way out, and all those things. Yeah, that makes, that's really awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think that was the last question I had for you today. Do you have any final parting thoughts for our listeners? No, other than, you know, in support of your local farmer, when you see somebody that's, I mean, these farmers are working hard. I mean, they're flat working hard. Whether it's cattle, blueberries, strawberries, peaches, melons, um, you know, peanuts, what, row crop, whatever it is, a vegetable, they are working hard. They're rolling the dice on the weather, on their loans for equipment, keeping the bankers happy with their farms, and all that, and if they're moving forward, inviting the public, taking on that liability, um, willing to do that, willing to educate the community, willing to have the passion that comes with the aggravation sometimes of inviting the public to your farm. If they're doing that, please embrace them. I mean, hopefully they're making money because they're working hard and, and, and they're gambling that it's gonna work. But you don't. You got to recognize too that they may be employing the fifth generation on a legacy farm uh, that that otherwise would not be able to to, to be able to stay and uh, and be able to afford the, the legacy that their forebears that they've sort of inherited through perpetuity. So I would say, you know, to to anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, seek out those farmers that are creative and ingenuitive enough to jump out there and, and uh, 
and be bold enough to, to have an agritourism destination or component to their farm. Yeah, I mean, being a farmer, right? It's a hard job. It's hard work. No farmers, no food. That's right. right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. No farm, yeah, no and food. so it is, it's so important that we support them. So yeah. thank you so much for allowing us to come out to your farm today, for oh. taking the time to talk to us and to share your story and share your voice on the podcast with us. And we're really excited to share this with everyone else. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Well, it's such been my pleasure to have you here and uh, your uh, and your whole group. But they can find us online at redwhiteandbluesfarm.com. They can find us uh, at our other location at Atwood Family Farm. Uh, and then they can learn more about H&A Farms by just Googling, looking up hnafarms.com, uh, headquartered in Mount Dora. Perfect. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Now you know, you got to come figure it out yourself. Come support the come support the farms. So thank you so much. I want to thank Jeff Manley for being a guest on Science by the Slice, as well as the entire staff of the Red, White, and Blues Farm for welcoming the Pie Center to their farm and allowing us to learn about their operation. That completes our two-part series on agritourism, where you heard research on consumers' perceptions of agritourism in Part 1, and what it's like to manage an agritourism operation in Part 2. As always, I want to thank everyone involved in Science by the Slice, Michaela Kanzer, Rachel Rabin, Valentina Castano, Sydney Honeycutt, Ricky Telg, Ashley McLeod-Morin, and Elena Poulin. I'm Philip Stokes. Thanks for listening to Science by the Slice.